Welcome to Mind Training and Homotherapy, a podcast that explores ideas to help you live a life that is more purposeful, intentional, and fulfilled. I am your host, Dr. Henry Gregory, and I thank you for tuning in. Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to today's podcast. Happy Friday. Actually, today I'd like to talk about happiness a little bit and about a tool that can help us to um, go deeper into a state of uh, happiness. So part of the issue with happiness is we get confused a lot. I think we get confused between happiness and pleasure. We spend a lot of time trying to feel good by engaging in pleasurable activities. The problem is they generally have a cost to them. And pleasure has to do with generally with gratification of desires. And yes, we get some relief. We may get some, get a high, a little bit of dopamine is released. But it's short-lived. It's short-lived. So what happens with pleasure is we gratify a desire, but that doesn't eliminate the desire. Matter of fact, the more you reinforce it, the stronger the desire gets. I mean, think about it. Do, do you know anybody who thinks they have enough money? Have you ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. Anybody who thinks they have enough power or, or, or pretty much anything else. So, you know, if we get in that seeking pleasure, that gratification of uh, desire mode, that over time becomes an addiction. That becomes an addiction. And addiction implies that something else is controlling us. It's difficult to be happy when something else is controlling you. Very difficult. Happiness, on the other hand, is really about contentment, joy. It's a state of being. Uh, it, it, it relates to a quality of life, positive mood, uh, feeling um, capable, feeling um, competent. So it's not that things don't happen, but I have the sense that I can uh, be okay in spite of what happens. I can handle what happens. Mm-hmm. So it's happiness and it's pleasure. Mm-hmm. And like I say, many of us get, get deluded by our minds into thinking that pleasure will produce happiness. But again, addiction to uh, pleasure can become enslaving. So. Th- the, 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 the issue is to train the mind to respond differently to events. To train the mind to respond differently. differently. We are getting stimulated. We're getting seduced. We're, we're being attracted all the time through our desires by so many energies and so many entities that it keeps us overstimulated and undernourished. We're constantly being bombarded with uh, energies that are trying to influence uh, 
uh, how we think, uh, attract us to their products and their ideas, and ultimately control us. So to be free of this and to get to happiness at some level requires some self-discipline. Some self-discipline. As one of my mentors used to say, you have to use the mind to train the mind. And the mind functions best when it's full of love. When it's full of love. Um, my wife used to say that all behavior is purpose to give or receive love. In a larger context, the task is to learn to be full of love all the time. That helps create that contentment, that positive mood, that quality of life that we call happiness. The task is to be full of love all the time, in every moment, in every circumstance. But that's a challenge. Like I say, especially in today's world with so much stuff going on, that's a real challenge. The good news is there are some tools that may help. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about homotherapy. Homotherapy. And homotherapy refers to sciences that come from Vedic knowledge. Uh, you've heard of Ayurvedic, but Vedic knowledge is considered some of the, old, the oldest knowledge on the planet, and it has many sciences that come out of that. Well, the one I particularly want to talk about is the science of bioenergy and how it relates to a process called Agnihotra. Agnihotra. So, um, we are ultimately energy. Everything is energy. Um, you know, I, um, I remember being in high school and taking physics, and I believe I didn't pass when I was in high school, and I had to go to summer school. But I remember one thing. It said energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It only changes form. So nothing is ever taken out of existence. It just changes its form. Hmm. So, and, and everything is energy. Everything is energy. So life energy in some disciplines, uh, in, in some cultures, is called chi. Uh, in some, it's called into. The band two call it into. Some just call it life force. But in the Vedic tradition, they call it prana. And prana and the mind are like two sides of the same coin. When prana is high, the mind is in its healthiest and most wholesome states. When prana or life force is low, the mind is stressed, the mind is tense, and can be compromised. Because remember, the, the the, the mind can be very tricky. It can, it can rationalize, justify, defend anything that you want to believe. Hmm? Because it's, it's like a computer. What goes in is what comes out. It's not uh, like it has uh, um, the ultimate ab uh, ability to uh, 
to promote the truth. It's however it's programmed. And that's where the discipline comes in. We do better when we program our minds ourselves and don't and, and not leave it to other sources. So this process called Agnihotra actually helps to purify the prana and raise the pranic level, thereby calming the mind, thereby reducing the stress and creating more clarity in the mind so the mind can function in its uh, higher states of, of being. Now, how does it do that? How does it do that? Well, th th there are basically three parts to it. First of all, Agni Hotari is done at sunrise and at sunset. Sunrise and sunset. And what do we know about sunrise and sunset? Well, you know, the sun comes up. But when the sun comes up, there's all these electricity, all this electricity, ethers, energy that comes and floods the planet. I'm, I'm looking now, you can see, see light everywhere. And, and then on some days, you know, uh, it's daytime, but it may be dark. And some of us even start to feel different because the sun is not feeding us that, that way. Um, and then in the evening, that, those energies recede. Those energies recede. And that affects us too. Um, many people in, in the health field know what's called sundowners disorder, where medication affects certain people differently at sunset than it will at other times of the day. You know, as quiet as it's kept, we are a part of nature. We, we try to be in charge of everything, but we're just in, uh, a part of nature. So that, that, that rhythm of sunrise and sunset is the central biorhythm for our whole planet. It's the main one. Not the only one, because we have our seasons, our years, and, uh, uh, um, uh, and longer periods that are influencing us, moon cycles and all of that. But it is the dominant one. It's the one that's most close to us. If you don't believe me, um, start working the night shift when you work in the graveyard shift. Uh, and it can, and you, it can throw your rhythm entirely off. It can throw you off biologically, emotionally, even physically, because instead of rising closer to sunrise and then coming going down at sunset, um, you are doing it backwards. Now, many of us, are really not in tune even when we work daytime jobs because, you know, in ancient times, people got up up at sunrise and went to bed at sunset, you know. But now, since we have lights and all that stuff, uh, <laughs> even those of us who are not working the graveyard shift may be out of sync with our central biorhythm. Mm -hmm. So, so... One is about, is about being in sync with this larger cycle, this biorhythm, uh, uh, this sunrise-sunset cycle. Okay. Two is about um, w the substances that you burn in the process. 
because agriculture is purification of the atmosphere through the agency of fire. Through the agency of fire. Fire is the great transformer. Nothing comes out of fire like it goes in. Fire changes anything that it, that it touches. So, and in this case, what Agna Hotra is geared to do, it's geared to change uh, the level of pollution in the air. It cleans the air. What we don't know is we live in, in a dirty fishbowl. Mm -hmm. There's pollution everywhere, not just in the air, in the water, in the food. It's everywhere. And it not only affects our lungs, but it affects our minds. You know, because, it, because the body has to work harder and, and, and the mind has to work harder, it creates more stress, more tension. So all of that, all of that helps to compromise all this pollution. And remember, you know, we've been, we, we're on the tail end of the Industrial Revolution. You know, uh, one of the benefits of this COVID uh, thing we've been going through is things have slowed down long enough that, you know, they say you can actually... Um, you know, uh, not see pollution over over the bridges in San Francisco and, and Los Angeles as, as much, or, or, or the um, in India the uh, what's that that uh, mountain range? The, uh, um, anyhow, <laughs> they say you can actually you can actually see it now, you know, because there's so much pollution that it has been dominating, um, particularly particularly these cities. So. It's the timing, it's what's burned. What's burned? Um, well, first of all, you use an inverted uh, copper pyramid. We know that pyramids are generative energy, and copper is a, a, a element that helps to change energy. You know, good con conductor of I mean, electricity and other, other subtle energies. And this particular one is done uh, uh, done in a, in a certain uh, proportion that has three levels to it. And the levels represent, the bottom level represents the earth, the second level, the, in, the uh, atmosphere around the earth, and then the third level is the larger atmosphere, the, the, the larger atmosphere, the larger cosmos. So, so you use this, this, this copper pyramid and you burn cow dung, cow dung. Now, you know, uh, many of us heard that in certain cultures they could consider um, cows as sacred. I say, well, why is that? <clears throat> well, the cows is one of the only animals on earth that has uh, four stomachs. It has four stomachs. So th their manure has been used for centuries in, in, in all kinds of uh, in indigenous communities. I remember myself being in... Uh, in uh, rural, rural um, Africa in community, uh, uh, and, and seeing people had used cow manure on, on their uh, huts in the seams to keep the, uh, um, the insects out, to keep the insects out. Or, it, or in Europe, they used, uh, had a treatment for uh, tuberculosis called the cow shed treatment. Where if, if you had tuberculosis, they'd put you in with the cows and let you breathe the same breath as the cow. So, so and, and, and we know that it definitely has some um, 
advantages because it has certain elements in it that we use in the uh, planting of, uh, of vegetation and flowers and, and such. So it's, you burn cow dung at a specific time and you make an offering of uh, whole grain rice, whole grain rice. And you use um, cow's ghee, that's, that, that, that's cow's uh, butter that the whey has been separated from and it's in its pure state, cow's ghee. And those are, those are the three substances, the, the dung, the ghee, and the rice. Now, all that comes together on a subtle level when you say at exactly sunrise or exactly sunset, you say a Vedic mantra in Sanskrit. Sanskrit is considered the mother uh, tongue, the mother language of the Indo-European languages and perhaps all the languages on earth. There are many words from Sanskrit in other languages uh, but none from other languages in Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. So, so, so Sanskrit has been f f for, for since millenniums uh, been used as a, a as a sound vibration that helps to gent to shift the energy. Mm -hmm. um, again, even the physicists are saying that sound is the the the, the voice of the universe. There's sound, some kind of sound everywhere. So these are sounds that have been passed down that are specific for, again, lowering the pollution, settling the mind, reducing tension. So what's burn, the timing, and the mantra? And the mantras go um, um, something like this. In the morning, it's Surya Svaha. Suryaya idam namama, make the offering. Prajapataye swaha, offering. Prajapataye idam namama. So, swaha means offering. Idam namama means not my will but thy will be done. It's, it's, it's uh, an affirmation of surrender. It says, that I submit, I surrender to um, the, the, the higher intelligence that's known by many names. Mm -hmm. uh, and incidentally, incidentally, um, this is a scientific process, uh, one that facilitates um, spirituality. I've known it personally to be done by Hindus, Christians, Jews, atheists, agnostics, uh, many different uh, people practice many different religions. The point is, it's a scientific process and it will help you to be better at whatever you choose to do. Because when you do this Agnihotra fire, again, it, it raises the level of prana and, and, or chi, and sometimes, you know, if you're sensitive enough, you might even feel that. And it lowers the stress, calms, calms the mind, and makes it more possible to go inside, to go deeper. Because the truth of the matter is most of us live on the surface of our minds. You know? We live in our conscious minds, which are only 
5 to 10, 15% of our minds. That other 85% is unconscious. And we have to be still to know what's in those deeper ranges. So when I sit down at fire at sunrise and sunset and maybe um, do some um, deeper rhythmic breathing and begin to, to focus, whether I'm saying, saying prayers or more mantras or whatever, I can choose what I focus on, but it's going to, I, my mind is going to settle and move more fully toward whatever that is. I mean, actually, that's one of the things I really love about this uh, process. There is a prescription on how to do the process to make it effective scientifically, but there's nobody in charge of what you do when you sit down and you decide what to focus on. You focus on what um, has value, importance, attraction for, for you. Okay. So can I jump in for, for a second, Doc? Um, because you said a couple things in the beginning that really, um, that really struck me and allowed me to connect to a couple of prior um, conversations. Um, and forgive me if I if I paraphrase and don't say exactly what what you said, um, but one of the first things was that I think you said it was your wife who said that um, all behavior is an act of either giving or receiving love. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's interesting in in and of itself, and I kind of want to park that. Um, and the other thing was that the other thing. Um, Oh, yes. Um, so you made a statement that was sort of, I guess, relating to um, contentment, right? Like being like being aware that everything may not be OK, but being OK with the fact that not everything is OK mm -hmm. and or it may not be the exact way that you like it. Again, I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. Right. So if we connect that back to prior lessons of emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and fear, would you say that it is not possible to operate from a space of fear and actually be happy? Going back to, you know, the, the kind of the concept of happiness. Can you be happy and operate from a space of fear at the same time? No. Okay. No. Because fear is you're actually trying to avoid something. Mm -hmm. Uh, what Molly said, you're running and you're running and you're running away, but you can't run away from yourself. Because mm -hmm. if life has a lesson for you, it's going to keep occurring no matter where you run to. Right. So with that in mind, with that in mind, we often look at happiness as being this abstract thing. Mm -hmm. Right. We see people or even children. Right. And we say, oh, that child is such a happy baby. Mm -hmm. Or you may see an adult and say that person just seems to be happy all the time. But I guess there's two things to go along with that. One is that from what you're saying to me now, it seems that happiness is a function of intention and how and how you're and how you are training your mind and how you are intentionally operating from the right space. Exactly. And I guess the second thing 
I keep forgetting the second thing. I apologize. There's always two things and I forget the second. So it's operating from a space of intention. Yes. And kind of with that in mind, using certain tools in order to continue to operate from that space. Yes. And I think that an interesting dichotomy in what you were talking about as you described the process of, of agnaholture. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, part of the, you know, the process, as you were mentioning the, um, the mantras is, um, you're actually relinquishing control. So in one way, you're very intentional about how you are training your mind and how you're operating using that training. And then at the same time, there's a level of control that you are relinquishing because you know that you don't control everything, but you train your mind to deal with the fact that you're not in control of everything. Well, I, I like to say that you don't control anything. Anything, okay. You know, um, <laughs> control is an illusion. And the more we focus on control, the more out of control. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a quote uh, by Dan Siegel, uh, uh, the neuropsychiatrist, that says, um, to be open and present is to sit with uncertainty and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Being open means cultivating receptive states within us that rest beneath the surface layers of judgment and expectation. No helpful communication can generally emerge from a reactive state. So, so that un, we have to learn to sit with, to be friends with uncertainty and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So what we submit to is a higher order. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so that's what, I, what, that's what I was getting to. So we're training our minds in order to be able to, you know, kind of arm ourselves to deal with the things that come our way, yeah. right? And to, and to move with intentionality. Right. And we also through this process, you know, and let me know if I'm wrong, but we are also making, you know, an effort to purify the space around us. Yes. However, we also submit to the will of a higher power and saying, OK, I'm doing this. I am training my mind. I'm going through this process to also purify the space around me. I'm also saying thy will be done. Yes. Okay. I, I am part of nature. I'm not in charge of nature. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can be in charge of is, again, my in, my intention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if, if, if I'm skillful, if I'm disciplined, if mm -hmm. I have some level of consistency, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm, you know, the, this illusion about uh, being in control and having all of this power um, is really frustrating mm -hmm. for folks. Do you, you know, you know, that part of the science says, it says, um, it's easier to be happy what they, you know, there's a, there's a psychology called happiness. Mm -hmm. It's easier to be happy and happy if you make between, what was it? I think it was 50 and 125,000 dollars. Mm -hmm. But when you start making millions of dollars, it gets to be more and more challenging. <laughs> right. You know, say money won't, won't make you happy. Having being able to go all over the world and have that illusion of power. I mean, think about the politicians and stuff you see on on television, and you know, you know, doing all the things that they do and talk about and the pundits and all that. Do they seem happy? Wow. I, I was thinking about one news show. I you know I used, used to peep at sometimes, but the guy seemed so angry and upset all the time. I just I said no. It's just I don't like the vibe 
And an interesting thing, you know, mentioning politics that that I've been seeing, and and it's not just politics; it's in general how people kind of are operating in in these false binaries, like either you're on this side or you're on that side, yes. either you're with me or against me, right? Yes. So when it when it comes to politics, because of who's in office, you know, and you know, as president at this time, there are so many people operating from a space of fear that if you don't, and it's very you know, explicit terms say, you know, expletive Donald Trump, <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're not, if you don't say that you're, you know, completely against this person, if you're operating from a space of, okay, I can see the truth in this situation, people automatically believe that you're against them because they're operating from a space of fear. So if you don't sound the way that I sound, if you're not using the words that I use and speaking against this person, obviously you're against me. So it's like, I need to be able to control what the people around me say and if they're not saying what i what i see as being the truth if they don't if they're not speaking from the same space of fear that i am obviously this person is against me i have to grab some type of control in this yeah you know and thinking about the dialogue from the, that they captured from these 13 guys that they arrested for um um threatening to um to kidnap the to kidnap the governor in, in michigan, in michigan. Mm -hmm. and and it's, and it, <laughs> And they sound like teenagers mm -hmm. because it, emotionally they may be stuck in those places, but certainly moving out of fear. Let me let me address a little bit of that mm -hmm. too, because when I talk when I say that you know the, the, the task is to be full of love in mm -hmm. the moment, and, and, and reminding that my, my wife says it's about giving and re receiving love. Mm -hmm. Well, we can start with all of us are trying to meet needs. Yes. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, physiological needs, uh, uh, love and belonging, safety, esteem, actually. We're all trying to meet needs. We do it in different ways, sometimes unhealthy ways. Mm -hmm. Sometimes some of us may think that the only way I can be okay and take care of myself, which is a, lo a love thing, is by getting rid of you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the distortion in my mind mm -hmm. that comes from the fear. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, fear keeps up is a very low vibration. Mm -hmm. It's a very low vibration and it distorts the clarity and creates stress yes. and creates stress. Yeah. And so 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 then that contentment, you know, that peace uh, is not a, is not available, you know. Right. And, and then, you know, the other side of it, you got to try to control stuff more and more. Yeah. And everything becomes an option. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're, you know, we're grasping for control. And then also we, you know, lean more towards trying to find these pleasures. But the pleasure yes. doesn't actually equate to happiness. So, for instance, there are a lot of people that are emotional eaters. Right. Yes, and they exactly. feel like, OK, I'm depressed. I'm upset. So I'm going to have this big bowl of ice cream because I feel like that's going to make me happy. Mm -hmm. That may be a pleasure in the moment. And then later on, you have a big stomach ache to let you know that it actually didn't bring you any happiness at all. Yeah. And what bring and, and, and what brings you even a little high, a little dopamine? It's not because you were satisfied, but it's because for a moment you eliminate eliminated the craving. Right. You know, right. But again, and the more you do that, the more the addiction and the cycle becomes, uh, you know, be, becomes reinforcing on its own. Right. So th then the contentment becomes uh, further and further away from us. Got it. 
But if you if you boil it down, if you get past the fear, you know, if you boil it down, we all want to be loved and are trying to express love. It's just that some of us are distorted in thinking that the only way I can be okay is if is if you're not. Right. And that that that, that dichotomous thinking you think you talk about that either or thing. Um, that's just a perception that's really been part of our linear uh, wor worldview that you know may have a place, you know, mm -hmm. around some things. But that's not that's not the way to um, how should I say? That's inconsistent with a relational way of looking at the world. Right. Relational world way of looking at world says um. So yes, there are extremes, but everything happens on the continuum. Exactly. There's there's gray areas. Yes. Know, there's qualifications there. Yes. It's almost it's almost it gets down to let me live and let live. You may not see things exactly the same way I see things, but I can accept that you're trying the best you can to take care of you, and so am I. Yeah. I guess the challenge is that that's that eliminates our false sense of control when we aren't able to say this or that. Yes, yeah. And and that, <laughs> again, the powers that attempt to control and manipulate us, you know, divide and conquer is one of the oldest uh, hustles on the planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, al you always have to have um, somebody on the low end of the totem pole, excuse my line, you always have to have a nigga. Mm -hmm. If it's not black people, or it's gotta be short people, mm -hmm. or, or, or Irish, or, mm -hmm. you know. Mexican, uh, or whatever. Left-handed people, it's yeah. gotta be somebody. Yeah. But in a system like the one we have, where uh, uh, you have to have, in order to exploit and control people like you do, you have to be able to point at somebody else as the problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And again, again, the mind can rationalize, justify, defend anything, mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. So, so that that contentment again is not about what you do in the moment. Okay. You know, it is about a a, a way of life. You know, that, that has to do with acceptance, appreciation. You know, honoring. And when we can be still and get in touch with our deeper selves and, and connect with uh, those universal energies that may be available, then we are more capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. But if we're on um, speed dial all the time, you know, we're running and, you know, in, in the rat race, now, again, as Difficult as COVID has been, every situation has some good upsides to it. And one of the upsides, it slowed a lot of us down so that we have more conversations with the people that we live with. Mm -hmm. We attend more to uh, relaxing activities. We uh, are living more. More people are gardening. More people are riding bicycles. You know, more people are you know, listening to music, you know. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there's some of us that have become much more anxious mm -hmm. because as things have changed, now I am feeling very vulnerable. vulnerable. Right. 
So I'm getting more and more anxious and more and more upset because I don't have my regular pro program like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, um, many people are, are saying this. We had a time in uh, life on this planet where there's a major shift that's kind of happened. We're in a, a, a transition phase. We, we call it wheat from shaft or whatever. But many people are raising their vibration. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when we talk about energy, energy always has a frequency with which it vibrates. Mm -hmm. And the faster it vibrates, the higher the vibration gets. As I said, then there's the lower vibrations, you know, fear and anger and disappointment, sadness, those things. But those higher vibrations that come, you know, via, via, via joy, via, via fulfillment, sense of purpose, those kind of things, more and more people are moving toward that higher consciousness. More and more people. It doesn't hit the news as much <laughs> because the news, like I say, I, I, my personal opinion, the news, a lot of it's purpose to keep us af afraid, living in our fears, so we can be controlled more easily. But if you talk to people, if you move around, you see more and more people are raising in their consciousness, hmm? going to higher vibrations. Uh, some say we're moving out of this third density, you know, uh, this material time and space uh, density mm -hmm. to more subtle densities, fourth and, fourth and fifth. Okay. But like in any time transition, there's some of us that are locking down, you know, and are, 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 are out of the, our fear, staying with uh, the third density. And some of us may even be going to remedial school, mm -hmm. okay? May have to go be back and do another grade down in the second density. The thing that seems to be clear, at least from my way of seeing it, is that this society is in, a, I'm talking worldwide, is in a major shift. Okay. Major shift. This process of agriculture was given at this time in creation. It's been, my understanding, it's been done all over the planet, usually by people specially trained in, in secret and whatever. But now it's given for householders because this is the time of the great changeover. This, I mean, all you have to do is look at the wealth gap. <laughs> you know, um, we have, it's, it, it's unrepairable with the same mindsets that, that created it. I mean, if you look at the political systems, the, the, the uh, medical system, the, uh, the education systems, the, the, they are showing themselves to be inadequate. So it, it's like we're hitting a wall now and it's time for us to um, look at other ways of being. And many of, and many of us are. Like I said, don't know what it's looking like, but instead of being focused on the outcome, more focus on the process. Let me be loving. Let me be the best person I can. Let me uh, find and live within my purpose and trust that that's going to put me in the best shape I need to be in to not only survive but th thrive during these changes mm -hmm. as, as opposed to holding on to something in the past that, you know, was questionable in its value then, mm -hmm. but it's certainly uh, it, it's, it's kind of out of touch now. Gotcha. 
So, so that requires openness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what he said about openness, he said you have to be able to sit with uncertainty, vulnerability, mm-hmm. have to have some faith and courage, you know, mm-hmm. to say, you know, I am not in charge of this. My job is to be full of love all the time. And I need something to help me to do that because all of us have been programmed in this negativity. Mm-hmm. When you talked about children, yeah, children come out when they when they're nurtured, mm-hmm. when they uh, when they uh, come out in an atmosphere of love, they come out in a very pure state. I mm-hmm. mean, they're engaging, they're loving, they're creative like that. But over time, we start to uh, socialize them into mm-hmm. our way of doing mm-hmm. things. You know, yeah. uh, just just. Uh, <laughs> Uh, preschool is good and kindergarten is good, but by the time we get to the third grade, the the, the whole uh, learning process changes. Then, mm-hmm. you know, they used to um, they used to make uh, build prisons based on third grade grades collectively. So they say, fifteen years later, we're gonna need this many prisons based on who's doing this and, and that in the third grade because the the learning changed to we talked a little about about intelligences. It changed from being um, uh, comprehensive, mm-hmm. where it's um, uh, you, you, you're using kinesthetic and mm-hmm. interpersonal and and uh, um, uh, uh, with musical intelligence, using all into, to just being the linear, the logical, mathematical, yes. and the um, and the linguistic. Mm-hmm. So the, the kids who who um, are, are real creative or who have to move and touch things because they're kinesthetic, they start to feel uh, something must be wrong with me. I'm dumb. And, and again, we talked about I'm going to be good at something. Yeah. So if I can't be good at being a, a student and being a, a, academically acceptable, then I find something else to be good at. Right. So the, 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 the point is, children come out in a very pure state, mm-hmm. and we socialize that out, out of them. Yeah, we insert our own experiences, biases, fears, you yeah. know, anger. We, we insert that into children. Yeah. And next yeah. thing you know, they're responding with things that weren't naturally, you know, um, that they weren't born with naturally. Yeah. is what they were socialized yeah. to have. But it says a child should lead them. We, we do better if we let them lead us attitudinally at least. Right, <laughs> right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So take me back into to agriculture, I guess, because that's where I kind of interrupted you. So you went through all the um, the elements of that, you know, the um, the tools, you know, so the the fire itself, the, the cow dung, you know, the mantra. So where does it where does it go from there? What's, what's the expectation? Okay that you do it regularly. Matter of fact, the experiment is you just do it for two weeks. Uh, you know, the brother who brought it to the United States, he used to say, look, be, uh, believe your own experience. Just take it, do it as an experiment, see, see where it takes you. You know, you know, we're so much into empirical evidence, external evidence, and there's more and more on agnihotra that's being developed, a lot of it in, in uh, universities in um, in uh, in India uh, and in uh, in some in Germany and, and like that, and um, that's accessible. I'm gonna give you some websites you, you look at. But there's another way of knowing the truth. Empirical says uh, I can reproduce it at will and I can show it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the subjective that's real also. Subject subjective says I know. The Rosses used to say, "Who feels it, know know it." 
So, you know, I can't prove to you the existence of the Creator. But in my life, I've seen and felt, experienced things that I know is so. So should I not act like the Creator exists because mm -hmm. I can't show it to you? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying this process, you know, if, if you have the opportunity, just experience it for yourself. We all need a time to shut down daily, to, to, be, to be reflective, to calm, to, 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 to shut off from the outside, to go inside. This process offers the, that opportunity and, and the opportunity to do it in a clean atmosphere that helps the mind to be in its best and most receptive state. So, so again, I mean, there, uh, locally here in Baltimore, there's uh, what's called the Baltimore Homer Community. Um, and some of us have been doing it for the last 40-plus uh, years, since the, since the uh, uh, mid-70s, mid like that. Um, and you can look on our website, I mean, and, and, and it will have a lot of information, and it'll show you, uh, you know, we have classes, and we, we have a farm, uh, out in Westminster that we do uh, what we call HOMA organic farming. HOMA is H-O-M-A. Mm -hmm. I say Baltimore HOMA community. HOMA is, is the name of these fires. Besides Agnihotra, there are other fires also, but Agnihotra is the main one. It's the main one. Mm -hmm. So, so um, and, and there's an, another website is agnihotra.org. Um, it's, it's maintained by some folks in, uh, in Virginia. Uh, it's very well done. It has all, all of the uh, information on Agni Hotra and uh, regular updates on, um, on things that, that, that are happening. Um, and Agni Hotra is spelled A-G-N-I-H-O-T-R-A. Okay. Agni Hotra, like that. So you, you, you look it up. Now, you know, um, check it, check it out for yourself. Yeah, and we'll link all of this in the uh, in the show description as well, so that they have the links. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, everybody needs something. Everybody needs something. We passed a time when you can have a laissez faire approach to your health and welfare and be okay. Mm -hmm. There's too much coming at us. You use the word intentional. We have to be intentional or deliberate. So I, I would say to you, you know, maybe try this, but, you know, find something. <laughs> find something that helps to ground you, something that, that you can use every day to help you to be in touch with your deeper self, in harmony with the larger cosmos, and live out your highest values, your, your highest purpose, and your most lofty intentions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, folks. So in, enjoy the sunshine, and uh, we'll meet you back here next week. And you know, take care. Blessings. <laughs>